0: Welcome to Splunk Talk, the only podcast that's all Splunk and no junk. I'm Birch, here with co-host. I'm Hal. And we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking to Joel Jacob, the product manager, principal product manager Mm -hmm. for IoT, some really interesting stuff that we're going to talk about. Gets a little mm-hmm. hands-on. Um, but before I forget, this is Season 2. Somehow we're still in Season 2. Uh, episode 44. So with that, how has your week been? My week's been all right. Yeah. Been what do you got right, yeah. rocking on behind you? I uh, For the people listening in, Hal's mm-hmm, got some mm-hmm. pretty awesome art going on behind him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's still been my hobby for, uh, since like January of last year, 2022, uh, AI art. Um, and I'm, it's like this thing that, uh, it's like a proxy for all things AI for me. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like leaning more into it, uh, at work as, as need dictate, you know, whenever it hits the day job, but when it doesn't like, I'm I'm, you know, trying to figure out how to make cool things,
0: pretty things, neat things. Okay, how does it work? Like I I have a friend who was kind of telling me like some of the inputs and mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. what you get out, but like I I think this is becoming something like learning how to use AI as part of our jobs as a asset to make us more effective mm-hmm. is like what we need to do to stay mm-hmm. relevant. And mm-hmm. so I am very curious. I I keep putting it off like I'll get I'll learn about that later. I'll learn about that later. How teach me about that?
1: okay okay i will how do
0: you generate an art and, and would you I'll, consider I yourself can, an artist
1: oh okay i didn't know you're gonna go there mm. uh oh i went yes there. i do i think about this a lot actually like i grew up not thinking i was creative i thought that i had no creativity that's how i grew up and well into my adulthood that was kind of my mind frame
0: poor child which
1: i mean no like seriously think about it like that that's not you know, it's like, it's like you're cutting off a piece of a potential that you could have, but I knew that I had no like uh, visual artistic capabilities with my hands. Mm. I can make stick figures and just a little bit beyond
0: that. I think that's and... a really interesting word choice, like visual art. Cause I feel like mm-hmm. art, uh, especially for the times when we grew up, art skills were really defined by your capacity to express uh visually drawing clay mm-hmm. mold you know sure. and not like theatrically or technically and there is art hey, in everything i would say
1: performance art is well i mean that's what we're doing right now um yeah. but even that was not something that i thought about you know like leaning into or anything like that so but you
0: i know from uh i know that you do video work uh on the side as um kind of a volunteer uh role uh with an organization and i would say even that it's technical like you and i'm sure you're lured in by the technical of doing i was, video I was work.
1: like what are you talking about yeah. oh yeah 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 i haven't done that in a little bit but yeah okay but
0: being being uh
1: the you know the av tech guy um at, at my church that was something that i i um i was doing for quite a while I haven't done it a little bit but yeah that's, that's and hard. there's there's creativity to that too as yeah. far as you know being a cameraman and and deciding that how to frame a subject, for example, that gets into photography. And well, let me ask you a question. Is yeah. photography art?
0: Sure, absolutely. Okay. And it's a visual art.
1: Then if you're going there and you think you understand what photography is, which people understand what photography is. I AI, shudder to think that AI art is not an art. AI art is more like photog- the art of photography than it is some other types of art. It's not the same, but it's similar in the sense that you are the curator who has a mind for design and aesthetics and you're deciding how to build a scene, arrange things. You didn't create the nature. You know, if you're taking nature photography, you didn't create the nature, Yeah, but you captured it and and you can call that art. AI art is pretty similar in some ways.
0: I never thought about it that way. Even drawing, if, if I follow your lead here, like, yeah, when you go out and you do photography of nature of people, whatever, you -hmm. didn't create those subjects when right. you're capturing them in a way that yeah. is artistic. Yeah. Uh, and even with drawing, you didn't create the concept of a human, but you drew a human. You yeah. can create some abstract things that don't exist in this universe, but both of those connect back to what you're doing with AI art, where you're creating something from a knowledge base of what humans can perceive, be it existing objects in the universe or amalgams Of those things, I don't know what amalgam means, but otherwise, yes, totally agree. (laughs) So, do you? Well, let me go back to the tech side, though. Yeah, like I I don't want
1: to go too much in the like one side without hitting the other. Um, You, you basically, you take a model and you give it inputs, and when you give it inputs, it's usually called a prompt. When you click the go button, that's usually called inference. So you are. and and the the models there's a lot of different kinds of models and we're talking about ai and ml at this point um this particular one you know the one that's most of my you know uh when i think about it, it's called stable diffusion it's it's the the foremost of of the open source ones that can do ai art there's a there's a bunch of different things and there's a bunch of services well guess what most of the services they also use stable diffusion on the back end oh really not uh, not all of them like DALI by open ai yeah that's their own thing um Bing, they opened they the OEM. I mean, this this is well known. They they use Dolly behind the scenes, but um, Midjourney. Well, they were they've they started way early, but they basically what I understand is they basically used an earlier version of stable diffusion, and they've gotten you know so pri- pri- proprietary since then. It's it's definitely their own thing, but you know all the other services with random names, and some of them great, and some of them just there. Um they all use stable diffusion. So that's what so I you, use. I run it me, on my me, PC.
0: Okay, let me let me get those terms right. So you take input into a um what did you call the generator? Uh stable mod- diffusion is the model, but you can model. So you put mm-hmm. inputs into a model and you generate mm-hmm. something, which is when you hit when you it's almost like um bring it back to photography, like you're putting subjects, those are your inputs, into mm-hmm. A frame or you're identifying the frame uh, mm-hmm. of the shot you are the model is is this platform and in photography i guess your brain is the model and then you generate like hitting the shutter you capture that moment uh mm-hmm. and and when it generates it outputs some yeah but it could output multiple things right
1: yeah yeah i mean um you could make an image um they're usually pr- fairly small um half a megapixel a megapixel so, you know, like literally like 10, 24 pixels on a side is, is a common one. Oh, wow. um, and then, I mean, if you're looking at the screen, you know, uh, those, the, those are looking at my screen, you see that there's a, a wallpaper kind of image behind me on my zoom background. And that's, uh, I upscaled it. I changed it to the ratio I wanted. And I said, hey, I need it bigger. Well, the AI knows how to to look at that. And and there's steps that it can go through to to use some of the similar
0: principles and make it bigger. Oh, so but, it doesn't come out all pixelated. It actually right. re-renders it with exactly. higher resolution.
1: Exactly. Oh, cool. Which is like crazy fascinating to watch it in action. And I've got a video, I'll have to find uh, find it and dig it up, where you see a, a, a tile. So, uh, you know, it's a scene of, of uh, I forget what it was, like some old warehouse with some robots in it. And you can see it going tile by tile, You zooming into this, this thing that's kind of blurry and indistinct. Yeah. And then it's creating detail makes sense in that one little tile and then it does that you know 10 or 100 times or whatever stitches them all back together and then it's a bigger image that's so cool yeah
0: i i I, you know it uh it was announced at conf that splunk has some generative ai stuff going on Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, we've got a lot of things
0: yeah and i think we even talked about it briefly with robin in the episode uh, we did on site at, at Conf, it mm-hmm. would probably be interesting to get one of those, uh, the, one of those folks on. Yeah. They can be
1: hitting a, they they were talking about a private preview at the time at.com yeah. and uh, they'll be hitting a public preview milestone here soon.
0: Oh, okay. And I don't
1: know when they're ready to announce their plans for the GA, um, but that'll come after the public preview. That's usually how we do those yeah. things. So.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Um, but we want to assist people um, to make, better things, faster, more efficient, you know, help out the people that are doing the things.
0: Yeah, uh, I like it. I like it. Uh, what's been uh, shaken with you in the world of Splunk?
1: I think we just went through some of it, incidentally, like uh, oh, really? AI is one of the things I'm looking at and trying to oh, nice. help people with. GD- GDI is the big one, though, honestly. Um, getting data in. Getting data in and and how customers do that. And I, I'm blessed to be able to kind of work with product and marketing and some of the others that are you know a little bit further out and figure out how to make this make sense um to customers and i'll call out things that don't make sense and i will tell them hey why why Mm -hmm. because like in x number of months i'm i'm representing the folks that are trying to help explain this to customers make it make sense to me right now Mm -hmm. so we go through that process and hopefully better things come out
0: Nice. Yeah. Uh, have you been following the Hotel TA beta?
1: A little bit, yeah, a little bit. So, so my, One of my buddies is, uh, that's front and center for him. But yeah, getting Hotel out to people that already have Splunk, right? They already have Splunk Enterprise. They already know how to distribute apps. So that's what a TA is for. Well, we decided to, for the people that are, you know, kind of like bringing these things together, um, if getting uh, Hotel out everywhere you need to be is the problem, Here's a, a way to to make that you know easier using the technology that you already know and understand, deployment server.
0: Yeah, I want to I want to play with that. I downloaded the TA a mm-hmm. bit um, and took a peek at it, but I'm looking forward to uh, throwing that down in my lab, seeing how that works. Throw it down. Throw it down. Throw down some TA. Yeah. What um, else you been up to? I have gotten really deep on the observ.
1: Bring it back in. <laughs>
0: microphone. Microphone went oh, down. Um I've been getting really deep on the observability stuff, actually. Uh so like metrics traces, mm-hmm. logs. I find that all really interesting. Um, some interesting things that I I've, I've been wrapping my head around, and um those are like I got a great question from from a customer. When do I use what product to do what kind of use case? And I think it unpacks this like probably like a bit of a philosophical debate about like what data structure is the best. So the way I think about observability, and I could be wrong here, um, but the way I think about our observability products is almost like, sure, back in the day, all data was just unstructured. I I mean, there was structured data, but like for the most part, machine generated data that was not structured was like all over the place. Some patterns emerged. The concept of a metric came out. Like, hey, what if we we know that there's like a name and a value and some attributes about it that describe what generated that. Like mm-hmm. that is a pretty ubiquitous kind of structure. Like, cool, okay, great, metrics. Hey, Joel. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just talking about observability here, I'll wrap this up and then we'll learn more about you, Joel. Um, the, uh, the other one was traces. Like tr- traces and spans have, have persisted for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like, well, what if we define a structure for these things and then have a platform that is more optimized for making sense of those things and, and having out of the box value? Yeah. And so that's where the observability side has been really interesting. And then it brings this question of like, well, when should I have something in as a log and when should I have it in as a trace or a metric? And you know what's the best way to optimize around that? And that's been a really um, exciting adventure for me. So uh, with that, I'll pivot. Uh, Mr. Joel Jacob has joined us. Hey, Joel. Hey. Um, we were just catching up on some tech stuff uh, while awaiting your arrival. I call it filling time. Filling no, time. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Call that. No, no. Call catch. We up always to like my, to catch up before. Yeah. So going, Joel?
2: Looking good. Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I didn't know you guys had started without me.
0: Oh yes. no this is this is intentional. This is intentional. We like our guests to walk in on us uh catching up. Um so Joel is uh for people just listening, Joel's got a really cool looking setup. First off, his color story is like the IBM Aptiva meets the <laughs> IBM first black PC. Like the tech like he's got stuff up on the walls, he got the monitors and then like the guitar Whoa. okay. propped okay. up there. Nice. Yeah. He's got you know the the server room in the closet back there. It's it's a very He's got some cold tempo. blue going on. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Got the ambient lighting and um I can't tell the brand of the uh, what's that your access point at the top there.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, it's um it's actually a Bell. It's the telco in the area. Mm, but yeah. Oh, that's theirs. Get, I'm inflicted yeah, get... with uh, those as well. <laughs> they get Same me with. three gigabytes symmetric. So oh, hey, hey, you now. cannot
0: complain about that one. Yeah. I do enjoy that you left Oh, I'll just leave this closet door open here with all this sir, all the technical equipment peeking out. <laughs> yeah, you got hey, the edge it's hub.
2: It's it's hard to see. You got the edge hub there and it's connected to it. Oh, yeah,
0: I see it. Price
1: well, top. let's jump
2: yeah, What is that
1: on jump. the wall though actually? I oh. did, I'm curious about that over your uh, you right shoulder. For? Your right shoulder oh, not, there. Not no, the TV. There? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's a it's a pegboard. There's a bunch of mm-hmm. devices like the edge hub that I'll be putting there. Um, to kind of show how the Edge Hub can connect to industrial gateways and switches and stuff like that.
0: So, Oh, very cool. This is going to be very hands-on. March, March. Okay. So let's start at the top here. Uh, Joel, whenever we have a guest, we always like to know your orange story, which is just a st- silly way that I've mispronounced our origin. Um, oh. How did you end up here at Splunk? So it's a bit about your career and mostly we want to know what motivates you, what got you kind of driven towards this place in your in your career?
2: Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely an interesting journey. So I started um, really hands on on like mechanical side. So I went to school for mechatronics, which in an ideal world you you start doing robotics. But when I graduated, robotics wasn't that popular. And you what was the degree called? Mechatronics engineering. I think so i what, what I'm I'm hearing...
1: <laughs> Well, no, what I'm hearing is showbiz, mm-hmm. Chuck E. Cheese maybe theme parks yeah
2: (laughs) like transformers like the the like the hall of presidents tesla Optimus bot is like that's like the you know the (laughs) ideal job but that wasn't around when i graduated so you end up like you study mechanical electrical and software and then Mm -hmm. everyone kind of just like ends up deciding which of the three they go in unless you can pull them all together so i went down the mechanical route i worked at lexus doing interior quality control engineering, manufacturing engineering on the RX 350 SUV. Uh, So yeah, that's cool. went to Japan. Um, We launched the vehicle in 2016 and I was like, this is great. Brand new car. And then I did production for a bit and I was like, oh, this this is going to be a little boring (laughs) if I do this for another few years. So I had an itch and I switched to Ecobee um, to do uh, electronics manufacturing.
0: I'm sorry, is that how the company's name is pronounced? I've been saying it wrong. Echo B, Eco B, okay. I'm not
2: actually sure. Oh,
0: okay. I we they, were eco
2: B, but like even at the company, I don't think it was like this is how you pronounce it. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah, so that was like electronics manufacturing and compared to automotive, that's all been outsourced, right? So I was in China, Malaysia, Mexico, and realizing how you build electronics. Um, and then that's like, well, how do we compete with Google, who owns Nest? We're this like small startup based in Toronto. And I learned a bunch of my startup chops there. You know, the company grew while I was there from 100 to 500, I think like 100 million in revenue to 500 million revenue before getting acquired by uh, Generac. But during that transition, I learned about like, yeah, let's position ourselves as like the Apple product to compete with. Android users, well, iPhone users don't have something. So we got Siri on the device and and I started thinking about strategy. And then two years ago, this kind of brings to the to the point of how do I got to Splunk? I got a, I got approached and I had never heard of the name Splunk before. And they said, Hey, you know, we have customers. We're trying to get data in from industrial sources. You've worked in that space. Seems like they need some sort of hardware software solution to get it in. You've built in that space you know i think this would be a great fit for you and at first i was like mm, i don't know but it's like this like ecobee thing seems pretty fun uh and i started researching it and had a more more informal conversations and said okay you know might as well put my hat in the ring uh i joined two years ago and i was like oh my gosh what have i done
0: <laughs> but in a, a good week. way in a good way in a good way just you for he's me, reconsidering
1: his life choices right now yeah I think, is what i'm hearing
0: well, it, I blame nexus. if If you didn't go there, you wouldn't have ended up here. Oh, yeah. Nexus, yeah, yeah
2: it's I think so if you look actually, even though Splunk is a big company, I've gone from like large enterprise to startup to now. This is like it was a scrappy small team, you know, like one pizza size, that adage of like how many pieces do you have to feed your development team? So it's like one pizza size team. Let's build something. So, I got, I got that true startup feel and somehow we convinced, you know, Gary and all the executives and the board and we were on the dot-conf main stage, you know, so it's been one crazy journey.
1: So, so go ahead. Hal. I I was just gonna say, um, so you're at a software company making hardware. I'm imagining that there were a lot of minds that you had to change or assumptions that you might have had to you know, reset. Um, what What are some of those that, that you kind of got past uh, by this point, right? Because you've, you know, we did a launch, you know, you, you got to talk about it on the main stage and so forth. Um, looking back, you know, what were the, some of the highlights there?
2: Yeah, I think so. the hardware software was like one challenge and the other is like even a completely different domain compared to security and IT. were mm-hmm. really focused at uh, operational efficiency, like making things more efficiently, um, which isn't our primary market, but we can also sell security and observability on top of that. It's maybe I could reframe it. It's like observability for the industrial equipment, right? Which allows you to build better and more efficiently. So that was one challenge. And that was so we had to flip. And we did that by partnering with the partner team. So mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you know, we we will go through domain experts who actually sell Splunk today, but they also know this new industrial domain. And that will allow us to more easily sell into the space versus educating and re-educating our whole and distracting even our whole Salesforce. On the hardware software side to your question, um, what I think is interesting about a lot of Let's say column hardware companies is there is a software that runs typically on the device, the embedded software. Um, so you know, on iPhones, that's iOS and stuff like that. So we do have um and we call it Edge Hub OS, which is where a lot of the value and magic happens. Um, and on the hardware side, how we structured it is we're actually not designing a really customized hardware. We're taking a lot of off-the-shelf components, Mm -hmm. we're getting them vertically integrated, but what we're doing there is just providing thought leadership on the hardware side and saying, for our software to really shine, this is what we need. And if you look in the market, it's not readily available. So like Mm -hmm. one example um, is Edge AI. So to really run like AI on the edge on a small compact device, CPUs, they're not good. How do we get a device that can support that computation? Okay, here's NXP. They have a NPU, neural processing unit. Now we can run AI models and do it 20 times faster. So that's really the secret sauce is like saying our point of value is a software, we're still a software company, Mm -hmm. but we are, you know, taking that thought leadership and saying, what do you need to make a successful edge solution?
0: So okay. I want to I want to appreciate what you just said there cuz it's like I I think and correct me if I'm wrong I think what you're explaining is like the edge hub device the physical device itself it's not like oh we created our own processor and like it's our own proprietary you know like hardware that we've innovated because like we need to do bizarre things like crunch bitcoin or whatever um it's it's like no these are actually things like people theoretically could do by piecing together all the uh, stuff all over the place. But like for you to get value out of your data and like add that lens onto like the other data you already have in the platform or, or whatever and get those use cases, this is the right collection, that thought leadership of like this is the right collection of hardware and we've packaged it together so it's a turnkey solution for you. You don't have to piece it together. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah, that's okay, exactly cool. what I'm getting.
2: At. So I think, yeah, like explaining that to people at Splunk helped address any concerns around like, we're not making a massive like hardware team. And we're not like, we're not like Apple to be like, hey, this is the A14 Bionic. We don't have yeah. a massive like engineering team. We're just picking, you know, what's there, but also making it easier for our customers to implement it. I and mean, that's what the challenge is like. Typically, if you leave this to an end customer now, they have to go and research, like, all this hardware stuff that they may not have the background with, then integration. But if we kind of take that effort away and make it easy to be like, just run Splunk and use this, get the data in, um, it allows people to get value from their environments and data a lot faster.
1: Okay, okay. So maybe we should stop for a second and say, you know what, what? they might not have, the people listening, they might not have gone to a conf, they might not have seen some of the, the material. Why don't you give us a quick version of what Edge Hub is and and we'll kind of build on that.
0: What is this, Joel? What is <laughs> there this? There you go, you yeah. a problem.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, nice LED ring. <laughs> um, so when, you know, thinking back to my days um, working as a manufacturing engineer, there would be a problem with cars coming off the line and it'd be like, okay, you need to solve this right now. And if you don't solve this right now, there's going to be like millions of dollars in inventory that's spoiled and gets reworked. And so I needed data to make the decisions to either tune a machine or, you know, get the line back running and figure out what was going on. And it was very hard to get that data. I remember like going to the factory floor and plugging in my laptop and then like running some archaic enterprise software, which like was really hard to navigate and then pull that data.
0: And what? Go ahead, Joel. I just I, you, that's so brilliant. Like it's just like our customers. I might be jumping the gun, but like just like our customers who are like, I could look in a log file on my like application server and I see like one granular thing, but I don't know what that means. Like if I just like plug in and I'm looking at this, but like assembly line is like things at scale. When when something's slightly off at scale, it makes a huge impact, but you won't notice it from that one. And, yeah. so and like, it I love might
1: this. not be connected to uh, an IP network at all. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, we're, we're doing what we've kind of done with the IT world, but now we're doing an OT, which is maybe even more challenging. So,
0: yeah. Um, sorry, I paused you there. Keep going. Keep,
2: no worries. Yeah. So what happened in the industry is, you know, a lot of people will talk about this term industry 4.0. How do we connect these unconnected devices? How do we get data out? And over, I would say the past let's say decade where I, IOT was becoming a big thing, but it really hasn't like fully hit
0: people I like IOT. Yeah.
2: Industrial. Industrial IOT internet of, things. Internet of
0: things. Or, or
2: let's just say IOT has been like big, but it hasn't really hit because you need the IT domain expertise. You need the OT operational technology domain expertise of like what the equipment does. And then you need like the embedded engineering of like, how do I code? And develop stuff on a limited resource device which is like so many domain expertise that a lot of people kind of just get stuck or can't partner with the right people but the traction that was made is like hey there's some middleware you can install get a server and like install on the server or install on a windows pc and people are you know still pushing through um so it was still challenging and kind of back to the point of the question like well what what is the edge hub We basically took that multiple domain expertise, multiple pieces of software and equipment, and just vertically integrated into a nice, compact, passively cooled, IP rated industrial device that you can just throw in, you know, to a network closet, to the factory floor. It has cellular backhaul if you don't want to connect it to your network, um, or you connect it to Ethernet, Wi-Fi, has Bluetooth. It's a bunch of functionality, kind of like a little Swiss army knife. And it allows you to break that that log jam and get that data
0: in. Log By the jam. way, can your can your uh tagline be Joel Jacob? Passively cooled. <laughs> <laughs> passively cooled. Yeah, yeah. I think it's suitable. I'm I'm such a chill guy. I'm just passively cooled. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta
2: you gotta keep a calm head in, in these tough times.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So people have so ha- we have this device out now. What have can you, you can I, you can you call
1: yeah. you know one hundred Splunk and buy it? Um, what what were <laughs> the types of things that we were showing off at the at the conference? Uh, this you know just a couple months ago at the, at the user conference, and, yeah, and what's so, kind of like you know taking off and and getting the traction?
2: Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, um we are going through partners. So where you go to buy it if you are interested to like figure out what this is? www.edgehubcentral.com.
0: Um Didn't you want to go with Edge Hub Hub. <laughs> edge Hub Hub. Uh, the Hub of Hubs. Yeah. It's missed opportunities. Here. Ma- the mom mom of moms. Yeah. Um,
2: so yeah, so what you'll see on that website is our mm-hmm. um master distri- distributor, and they have a bunch of partner-built solutions. So I think what's cool is like you you toss this edge hub into your environment as a customer, you can configure it, you can get data in, but You may not know how to take that data and build like a useful value prop and ROI and say, hey, this actually allows me to replace this machine at a good interval so I can save millions of dollars every year. Well, we have a partner who focused on a specific use case, you know, specific robots for specific verticals like automotive or oil and gas or retail groceries, where there are nuanced domain expertise. This is kind of like our market front for that. You go there and you can kind of pick and choose these different solutions. Oh, so yeah. at .conf, we had an Edge Hub zone where these partners showed a bunch of different solutions that they had built.
0: So re- it's like rather than reinventing the wheel, just like the device is like you could piece this together yourself, but here's the value add. It's already packaged for you. Here's the best of breed of what you're going to want to use. And then just like that, the partners are like... Yo, we already work in automotive. We'll show you how people get value out of this and what the good use cases are, and so they help yeah. drive that. By the way, so one other...
1: go ahead. I was just—I'm—I'm I'm hearing the pattern here emerge of um, you know, who's done this in the industry in the past and and how did that pan out? And my first thought was Microsoft with the Surface, oh. which I don't know if y'all remember. Like it didn't work the first time. They—they they went with ARM before ARM was was ready for microsoft's own platform ironically um and and it had a software a content problem and they but they actually stuck with it they after a huge huge write-off if i recall um and then the surface hardware division which aside from the xbox which was very very separate the different you know buyers entirely of obviously is consumer they do have a, a laptop and a tablet you know slate kind of thing going on i don't know what, about the bottom line about how like significant it is to microsoft but like they kept at that and the thing it, it's basically, Hey, we're inspiring the, the ecosystem of hardware manufacturers and software manufacturers that weren't doing, you know, weren't going in the direction that we felt that we really needed to show off. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what we're doing here.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. There's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, big tech customers or companies have done that. Like Google, they had the, um, mm-hmm. Nexus yeah. product line. And they're like, hey, we, you know, we made this handset. And then we like got rid of that. And then it was just let out let, let to the manufacturers. And it was kind of like, oh, how do we actually compete with Apple who's making this AI on their like custom silicon? Oh my gosh. And we, we gotta do like TensorFlow. And then eventually they're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, let's come back out with Pixel to really show people what can be done yeah. from a software point of view. Um, and that's you know the same sort of concept of like we're providing that direction. Um, and, and really the platform and, you know, internally at Splunk, we're, we're under the platform side of the company. And I know there's like been an ongoing debate in Splunk customers is like Splunk a platform or is it like a product? And I think it really depends on your use case, but for us, we're really trying to be that platform where Mm -hmm. people can install and create apps on and kind of use that extensibility to do more with Splunk.
0: What, what kind of, um. Two questions that are somewhat related but don't sound like it. What we talked about the the Edge Hub itself. What sensors are on it? And then the second question, and maybe this is just where the conversation goes, is like, so to, like the customers who are kind of those early adopters that have have been using this. I'm curious, like, how many uh, devices do they typically have? Like, based on the sensor sensitivity and like, like, what are they looking at? Um, yeah, with that.
2: Yeah. So, one of the things we were able to do in like picking the off the shelf stuff is say that we want sensors packaged into this device. So, right out of the box, you have temperature, humidity, ambient light sensing. Um, you have uh, stereo microphones, which right now is used for loudness, but you could look at different sound patterns and use Edge AI. More on that later. We have um, pressure. We have uh, accelerometer and gyroscope. Um, we even have a gas sensor that looks at VOCs, volatile organic components, and can give you like, there is also AI for that, where you can actually say, based on these readings, we think it's this type of gas. Oh, and you wow. can start isolating gases. Uh, there's a lot of un- untapped potential. Here. Or
1: can you go down to the detail that you would... Maybe be able to sequence the the DNA of the person who just <laughs> let gas out.
0: Oh,
1: uh, there's I, a there's a. You, plug in a,
2: you plug in a camera to the USB port, and you might be able to detect their facial
0: reactions. <laughs> in the I room. believe that's that's the scatological API. Yes, that's
1: <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, yeah.
2: So yeah, so people ask me actually, like, well, why did
0: you include a bunch of these sensors, right? And oh, sorry, before. Before that, yeah. but that's the sensors that come with it. I'm assuming yeah. you can extend upon that.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah. So okay. the, the when you put one of these in your environment, the the real value and strategy of having these sensors is the immediate power it on, and you can quickly get some value out of it, right? And the incremental cost, especially at scale of including these sensors, is is marginal. So it it really doesn't cost us much more from a bomb part point of view, mm-hmm. um, built materials point of view to actually add these sensors. But the value a customer has gotten from even our like beta deployments is like I can actually see based on the ambient temperature and vibration that the environment is getting worse. They're like, I need to dispatch someone out there. Or I can see that we're not shutting off the lights, a very trivial thing, but has a real dollar impact when people are out of the the room or the factory using the light sensor. So yeah, the cost benefit ratio of just including those built-in sensors is really valuable and it allows people to see very quickly like the power of Splunk. But to uh, the point Bert you made earlier is we've actually designed this to be extensible. Actually the whole point is to connect with industrial equipment and already deployed industrial sensors, sensors and infrastructure. So we speak, um, you know, industrial protocols Um, The two kind of popular big ones are MQTT, which is like more for IoT and OPC UA, which is uh, I think led by Microsoft and a bunch of other people, but that's like the standard protocol that a lot of suppliers are also supporting. But at an even deeper level, there's Profinet or Modbus or BACnet, and most of those people will support OPCA on top. So we'll also support even those like lower level protocols. And the whole point of that is to support industrial sensors that are out there that might be designed for oil and gas because it's explosion proof. So just like buy the sensors that are out there and then connect it to the edge hub and scale. Oh,
0: so like if I'm a gas, whatever, and I already have sensors for safety and everything, you're saying this device, you can connect them to this device. It was designed with that intention. And now you've been able to create a hub for sending data in from the edge
2: there you go yeah some some good naming actually panning out
0: yeah help. Um,
1: so, it's, so it's kind of like a bridge between different networks or a collector or concentrator of of many things into a point at which you can say okay cool now i'm going to bring it up to my analytics platform or
0: exactly something like that i'm yeah. i'm such a nerd it makes me think of like like a universal forwarder that comes with a bunch of like uh, inputs already deployed like oh it's got the Linux TA like on there and it's got all these like monitor inputs and like yeah you're not and it's going to forward the data along you're not monitoring files you're lon- monitoring physical and it is going to forward that data along mm-hmm. well, that's cool yeah, yeah so how like is that. it
1: different than our clients I mean we we have clients like the forwarder that uh, or hotel we were talking about that before you joined they collect data is it conceptually, at least it's, it's kind of fits in that space.
2: Yeah, I would say so. I think that's a, the right analogy to go with is like, you know, 10 years ago, we were going into it and it's like, how do we connect all these disparate systems? Now we're trying to do that in the operational technology world, except there is an added challenge of, I, it feels like even more fragmented and even uh, equipment that you have to connect. How do you do that? And how do you send it, right? And do you use a, a forwarder from Splunk? Or what we've done is actually using, um, heck, the HTTP event collector. But like I mentioned, this is a platform product. So we actually have the Otel collector also running on the edge hub. And now you can plug this straight into observability and send that data in. So we have some partners who are oh. like, yeah, we, we're all in on Ollie and that that's where they're choosing to send the data um, because okay. you know it's optimized for metrics and stuff so and we have another people another partner uh who is actually putting a forwarder on it a universal forwarder so uh-huh. on the edge hub on the edge hub so we have a we have a version i believe for arm um uh-huh. that's running yeah. right now so so that more- gets
1: into the the question that i want to go to and i'm gonna i'm gonna i've got props to you you, I know you've got an Edge Hub, both of you do, and I had to give mine away. But um, all right, so my props are going to be this: I've got I've got an M- MCU. This is probably like an eighty-sixty uh, A two six six, maybe. This is a Raspberry Pi zero, and uh, this is uh, I forget this is a Raspberry Pi three, or it might be a you know kind of work alike. But you yeah. know, what level of hardware are we doing here, and what are kind of the you know the high level kind of capabilities that you can get out of that, and why why one of these, you know? as as opposed to server.
2: Yeah. So uh I think I'm thinking all of them are ARM based, right? And I think
1: uh, that yeah, uh, except for the yeah. MCU, which is you know, that's like a what would you compare that to? A well, that's out. more that's the Marvel cinematic
0: universe, right?
1: <laughs> Microcontroller <laughs> unit versus uh SBC single-board computers. That's the, the term that I like to throw around. Yeah, I think
2: yeah, uh, yeah, so I mean all of these. Are you know really resource constrained, and I think that's the goal. Like even if you look at our device, um, at peak we consume I think like thirty watts. Um, so you know it's less than less than a light bulb, right? Um, or incandescent at least. So I think it's.
0: (laughs) It's I'm pretty sure I just replaced some LEDs that (laughs) with some LEDs that are low. But that's low power, yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: it's, It's like it's it's low power, and then uh, getting high value out of that. Right. And then also like the reliability. So that's an interesting thing. So we can, we can connect with those ESP 32s or 8266 that you you show Mm -hmm. people actually will like use those, but now it's like, how do you design that with the resiliency to put it in uh, on a boat where you have to have some sort of enclosure, right? And then um, how do you make sure you update the firmware if there are security issues and, and stuff like that. So that's where we've basically taken those like single board computers. That's what, what's actually inside is an NXP mm-hmm. one. And we've added that layer of, um, security support and like the operating system, um, and just like management of like, Hey, from your Splunk instance, now you can control mm-hmm. a fleet of these, right. Versus like with those, you have to de- develop that architecture to like manage all your uh, connected devices, IoT devices.
1: So, what what is when they purchase this? This is something that it sounds like what you said, manage. It's it's going to be a managed device. It's going to have the life cycle of the software uh, and maybe even the firmware managed by Splunk or the partner.
2: Yeah, yeah, managed by Splunk or the partner. There, we post out releases, you know, almost every month, and that just adds and unlocks more functionality. And also, you know, addresses like security concerns that may come out that if you have a vulnerability on this MCU, this ESP MCU, you know, are you going to know how to deploy that and package that and then get that back to the edge versus like, hey, I'm adjusting Splunk to to be on top of that, which I think we have a good reputation to stand on. So that, that again, it, like when you're solving these edge solutions, there's so many different domains that just takes the stress off. To know that you just have to focus on your line of business, domain-specific use case, um, and everything else kind of gets managed as part of the solution.
1: So I know that that you just hit a milestone, um, you know, recently at .conf. I don't know yet. Are are you at the point where where we have customer stories or partner stories that we can name and go into some of that level of detail?
2: Then on the okay, so we do have customer stories. Um, mm-hmm. we as you mentioned, dot conf was our America LAR limited availability release. We're going into Europe and APAC, um, this November. So we're actually expanding to a bunch of countries. And, part and of the that reason
0: is, is very interesting. Why is this not just released globally at the same time, sir? There,
2: uh, yeah, I guess part of the complications of uh hardware devices, you have to have certifications per country. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, America is the easiest to do FCC, you know, we, we, we know that process. Now we actually take the same test data and you repackage it and maybe do an additional one, one test for a country because they want one particular thing. So that is happening through our manufacturer who's like processing that. And then I love the
0: idea that there's like, like in in like Europe, there's like a black market. Like you go into a dark alley and somebody, yo, yo, (laughs) you want, you want some, You want an edge hub? You want an edge hub? Like these ain't legit on the market yet, but they're still good. (laughs) 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 They open up their trench coat. They've got it like sagging down with edge hubs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
2: in the, in the beta, it almost felt like that, but we actually have the CE mark in Europe and stuff like that too. So I think um, that's like, that's one part of the coin. And the other is like, you need the partners,
0: um to Mm. get ramped
2: up in each region so it's like yeah, because
0: this is like physical like you're ideally going to want partners who can be boots on the on the ground as they say yeah like hey yeah
2: let's install it uh, and deploy it and if like anything goes wrong we can like swap it out with an rma so we kind of like are building up those those teams across the world right so that's why we're just only getting to uh asia in the next month not not yet but part of the reason we're really pushing forward is like um one partner um, that was mentioned on our last earnings call actually took the edge hub. And I I don't think I can name the name yet, but they've taken the edge hub and they put it on a manufacturing line. And then running edge AI, they actually reduced defects by 70%.
0: Oh my god! Improved
2: quality for that particular operation. So, but if you're doing like, you know, millions of parts, mm-hmm. you know, well, this is a multi-million dollar database, right? So- Wow. So
0: one of the first conversations I, this is so uh, arrogant of me. Um one of my first conversations with Joel I was telling him we were talking about like creative stuff with with Edge Hub and I was like like I always think of the oh, I got to remember the name of this book um I'll I'll tell it by the end. Um but it's all about like assembly lines and stuff and so like I pictured this assembly line where like they think everything's honky dory and they're doing fine and whatever. But then um they they just notice like around noon or something like the quality starts to like they have more defects and they don't understand why the widgets have more defects right and they're just like i don't know something happens around noon right but at scale they start to realize oh this is this is a big deal and uh this is no this is a story like i fabricated in my mind inspired by this book i think it's called goal something Goal. i'll look it up um but oh the goal the goal yeah yeah uh and um and so like now enter the edge hub and now it's sensing like vibration and like what you realize is that thanks to the edge hub you've you've unlocked this solution that oh around noon every day that's when the raw materials come in and the vibration of the trucks unloading and everything is just enough to make the widget manufacturing to be slightly off and increase the defects And so like shifting your strategy there has allowed you to like unlock all this other potential, right? But for me, it was that, oh my gosh, I love that this device can get us data at scale. We can't notice as humans, these minor perceptions or or vibrations, but with technology, we can plug this in, forward it, analyze it at scale and see correlations that we never could see. So that's my fake story of, uh, that I told Joel of like, this is what I dream is possible with this thing.
2: Yeah, 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 the goal. The goal was actually a really good book, um, and I think yeah, one of the the most valuable things I learned in my career is how do you take concepts from one industry, abstract them enough, and then transfer it to another industry, right? And I think that's that really allows you to have these models of the world that allow you to kind of scale yourself, right, uh, plug, and faster.
0: Plug for that book. So it's the goal by Eliyahu Goldratt, and uh, honestly, like it's. About assembly lines, but it's kind of about life. Like well, yeah. if you're, if it you're changes your that, look on the life on life.
1: If you're going to plug that, I'm going to go backwards a step to how I found oh. about about the goal, which was through the the Phoenix Project.
0: Oh wow, that's many
1: in the the IT industry and especially DevOps type of folks. They've they've read that book by Gene Kim and and his cohorts. They took learnings from the goal and put it in the fictional
0: narrative of the Phoenix Project. Yeah, actually, which then yeah. inspired the Hunger Games. No, exactly.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is something that's been interesting for me when people talked about, you know, Kanban and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, wait, what do you mean Kanban? Like when I hear Kanban, I think of a screen on a factory floor that tells mm-hmm. you how many pieces are at each stage. And it's like, oh, no, no. In yes. the software, we took that concept and we're mm-hmm. like looking at workflow, but it's actually software work. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my gosh, all of these principles that mm-hmm. I kind of learn from the industrial world are like used in the software world. And that's how DevOps and all of these things got to such a proficient level. And it's almost like, okay, now we're going to take some of those learnings and bring them back.
0: Isn't that funny? To the uh, industrial world. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, like servers, virtual machines, physical machines, containers, like these like parrot design paradigms, like that they keep like going away and coming back. Okay. So uh, here's an
2: interesting, yeah. interesting, maybe hot take, but I'll say that like.
0: hot take. Macro- hold on. We
2: got our theme song, hot take with Joel Jacob. <laughs> All right. Let's hear your hot take. <laughs> so if you think on a macro level and I don't know, this is back to the, how many times do you think about the Roman empire? But I think about what's going on with the world and what we've done in the West with America is we, we outsourced a lot of this electronics manufacturing. We outsourced a lot of manufacturing and a lot of our talent, has gone into technology and if you look at the top five worth companies in the world they're all u.s based they're tech companies like that's where we put all of our collective intellect into pushing society forward and what we've done is like we've not focused as much on the industrial world and it's almost like there's this gap that as we start reshoring or onshoring or nearshoring we're able to like transfer that intellect back into so i think we're gonna see significant leaps in building things better um by taking a lot of the knowledge that we've learned in the tech world and now transferring it and i i think we need to without uh, so we don't like you know inflate the prices of all these goods to a point that we can't afford them
0: well i feel like now now this is the third book being plugged today so it's called the world is flat um (laughs) and it really uh, provides a lot of depth on what you were just talking about. So uh, a lot of work that could be done cheaper elsewhere, eventually it actually becomes more expensive. Their quality of living goes up, inflation goes up, and then you have to find the new market where that's produced. And eventually the playing field is flat amongst all the countries. And so to your point, it actually will hit a point where it behooves us to assemble things locally because now the transport costs and all the fringe costs in total with even slightly cheaper product cost more than if we just did it locally yeah. and so yeah you just keep hopping around in the free market globally on where to produce these things um yeah the world is flat is is very a very cool. enlightening book on on some of those paradigms you're talking about very cool.
1: I'm I'm thinking of like where to go and, and where not to go. <laughs> I mean, like you have hardware that led to, and we talked about this story here, and I'm thinking okay, what are the paradigms that are going back and forth? And you mentioned virtual machines, Birch, um, and containers. And I'm thinking about the mainframe, which mm. in a real sense, never really died, never really went away. You know, those that mm. know, know that there's you know banks and government agencies and so forth that, that have plenty of that. But- it really never went away because conceptually the cloud is the new mainframe. Mm-hmm. So when you're consuming something as a service, you know, paying by, you know, the hour or the minute or the second, that's mainframe billing of a thing. Yeah. And there's pieces there's things that are that are good and there's things that are bad and I don't know where the where the future of that will go, but like how do we like Basically, how do we show the customer the things that are important, and that they want to they want to pay for the that? They're you know, like, okay, yeah, you're going to charge me this many pennies to to do that, and I'm going to save millions. Oh yeah, no problem.
2: Yeah, well, I think the cloud, uh, Birch. I just want to say one thing on the yeah. cloud edge, like TikTok, almost where it's mm-hmm. like, you know, things moved to centralization and then they moved to decentralization. We kind of like seesaw back and forth as we go to these like local optima and optimize them to a point and say like, well, there's actually more value if we can do that distributedly at the edge and we don't have to send everything to a mainframe. But then it's like, well, if you do it on a mainframe, you can actually like join all these resources and like do something at a, a more efficiently. So I think what Splunk's done is really smart in having this hybrid approach where we can basically say like for this unique use case for this application, this is actually what makes more sense for you, you know, for your needs and and your customer profile and everything. So I think we've done really well at that. And, you know, on AI, this is actually also happening where you're getting to LOMs and, and generative um, AI and the CTO uh, Mira Mirati was asked like, hey, do we think that in the future, like all these models are just gonna like be one big model or do we think there's gonna be like uh, distributed models? And she was saying, like, you know, the jury's still out, but there are economical reasons that you would want to take something, optimize it, and put it on the edge to do one goal, right? Mm -hmm. So we will see, and I think ultimately we want to provide customers that optionality.
0: I think um, I thought of this sort of analogy just to kind of put a button on the, like, things being cheaper or like what model distributed or centralized and stuff, like food stores. Have you gone to the exact same food store your entire life for every single product? No, no, because another food store might offer some of those things cheaper. Maybe something opens up that's closer, so it's more convenient. So even in our hyper local purchasing decisions, we make change. You know, now I'm going to do Instacart or I'll buy something on Amazon because it's like a dry good. So it, you know, we make those types of decisions on a day to day basis that maybe they go away. And then now actually I could get this cheaper back in the store. Um, And the same thing happens on the macro environment, you know, centralized stuff. Well, the certain factors and reasons why that is behooves us to be the best approach. And then it becomes decentralized and more specific. And then like re-centralized, like Mm -hmm. we will forever oscillate in all of these things based on the circumstances and the environment that make things more opportunistic or, or more efficient for us and we'll make those choices based on what's best. Um, Joel, pivoting, ready? And we're going to turn this truck around. (laughs) That's me turning the steering wheel. Um, You mentioned pegboard, and you got me thinking you were going to put some stuff on there, and you've got a really cool dashboard behind you on the monitor that's set to auto-scroll down and up. Was there something you were um, interested in showing us there? Um,
2: I don't have anything prepped. I mean, what what you see on the screen, just to like... For any viewers, I don't know if you do audio and visual, but- We do both uh, of them. Yeah, so this this is, um, it's Splunk TV. It is actually showing the data from the Edge Hub in my home network closet there. And then what I do have is, there's a bunch of these, and just, so these are like other industrial devices.
0: This has- He's holding like, up other industrial devices for people <laughs> listening. <laughs> This
2: one is like uh, Advantech. It has a bunch of terminal pins because it looks you
0: know, like a walkie-talkie.
2: Has <laughs> <laughs> yeah. an antenna. Um, you can connect this to you know Edge hub. This is like we mentioned one of those things you would connect. So what I'm planning on putting on that pegboard is a bunch of customers and partners that we work with, whether they're like you know Rock, uh, Siemens PLCs, or Advantech sensors, or IFM. Have that there to really show that extensibility, but also kind of two birds at one stone, start monitoring my HVAC room for leaks and like, you know, just tinker away for a real use case for me, um, but also shows uh, the extensibility that we have.
0: I might want to work with you on that use case, the HVAC leaks, because that's one of my potential use cases that I wanted to play with Edge Hub. What um, I'm going to ask the dumb question, what's a pegboard? Uh
2: yeah, just I mean this is IKEA. You just put it on the wall. You put some pegs <laughs> oh, on it,
0: and you can hang
2: stuff. Oh, so, it's so. But funny. the re- like,
1: but the relevance to the manufacturing part is
0: that you have to think about the hardware and like where yeah, is somebody going to put this thing? That's like a store for like what you'd find in a convenience store, like that type of peg pegboard, like where you have put Literally, the little peg. Here. Yeah. <laughs> oh okay i thought yeah. like pegboard like it's like a powered like panel and you plug things in and then you don't have to plug them in and it's like i thought it was like a more advanced it looks really cool i mean yeah it, no pegboard. Me it looks
2: very nice it like looks like some sort of futuristic yeah heating, heating unit or something like yeah that.
0: I was like, what's it, it does look
1: cool but like just to look at the rest of the room there you've got you know an uh, equipment rack behind you you've been talking about these closets at sites like it can, you know, an edge hub could go in there, but that might not be the right place for it. You, they might yeah. need to have it other places.
2: Yeah. So we had to think about mounting, like you mentioned. So we have like a DIN rail mount. Uh, DIN rail is what you kind of see in like a industrial cabinets. Uh, it's like a one inch piece of sheet metal that's like extruded that you want to snap on. So we have like a mounting adapter for that. We got to think about these things. I got to be mounting that and making sure that the customers who actually deploy it are partners or customers. Aren't going to get frustrated at that point. Same with the IT guys. We got a zero U and one U mounting options, so you could actually put this in front of your switches and not take up any space, or you can put them in line. Um, but that's something we had to consider. So I think, yeah, it's just the detail oriented aspects that you need to to think about to be successful when you have a physical product.
0: I, I know this is more uh, meant for you know businesses and and industrial um the fact that you you have a device in your closet there i brought mine up from the closet like what are some at home use cases that our listeners who might not be in that space can kind of relate to more with the at home things have, have people done interesting things using edge hub at home
2: yeah i think we've seen I, this is the power of splunk is like there's a lot of like splunkers who love tinkering at stuff so we have someone Uh, who put it in his Tesla. And as you're taking turns, you're seeing like the acceleration and G-Force get recorded. You can connect in the OBD2 protocol, which is actually how cars communicate
0: their error code. The onboard diagnostics. There you go, yeah.
2: I I didn't remember when it worked in automotive, completely forgot what that stood for. I made
0: made the app for uh, Automatic, which was a consumer OBD uh dongle and so i spent many years saying odb which is a wrapper or was a
2: wrapper. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. So like people like they want to know they see an error code pop up in the car. It's like, oh, I can only clear it by going to a mechanic. Well plug this in, say get it sent to your edge up. get it sent into Splunk. And hopefully someone like you can build uh an app around that right or the HVAC closet or even like leaks in general there's There are a bunch of smart home devices, um, but enterprise companies need to deploy similar solutions, but they can't use consumer tech, really, because it it doesn't scale. So you can buy um, enterprise-grade leak rope, and that can send data to the Edge Hub, and now you know if you have leaks. So, I mean, I've had this a couple times in my HVAC room where... it wasn't draining properly and as a, a byproduct of like creating heat is actually like water um and something was happening with the the pipe and it was, it was like just kind of squared all over the the room and stuff like that so i had like mold then after i went to oh mall. no
0: <laughs>
2: yeah so things like that i mean uh one person was putting it in like a wine cellar
0: and Ooh, like, humidity.
2: Uh, humidity and temperature and stuff like that so similarly with an attic and all those type of spaces like temperature is a a pretty a pretty good one
0: i thought you said addict
2: not attic no
0: no no, <laughs> it's my, it's
1: my Canadian no i love attic. all the creative stuff i mean like there's just lots of outside of the box things because we're outside of the box we're outside of the server you know this is connecting to the real world everybody's got something that they can think of there so it kind of like helps you know make it real which is neat now i hate to do this i hate to do this but we are running out of time and, and we're gonna have to say goodbye to joel perhaps so um Anything that you want to kind of like leave people with on, on the uh, yeah. Or uh, something you want us to, to look to. forward to
2: look forward to. Yeah. Um, okay. So we, we, we launched three months ago um, and how do I say this? Like there's a bunch of things in the pipeline that are coming out that will build off of this functionality. Right. I think, you know, if for any listener who knows Splunk did try to kind of break into the IoT market years ago um, with some sort of a software solution. And actually the problem was like, well, how do you get data in? So, hey, now we've actually gone and solved that problem and getting data in, but now you still have this problem where it's like, well, you need to like organize that data on Splunk. So there is more software that's coming out from our partners and they've been building cool stuff. We're building cool stuff. We also have like, Uh, Another product that is out there that we've been thinking of how to pivot it a little bit better, Splunk AR, um, where you can now walk into a factory and your edge hubs will be able to project this data to you on your mobile or headset. And you could see everything now in augmented reality. I could, quote unquote, zoom you in and you could actually see what's wrong with my machine and tell me how to fix it. Um, So there's you know, that angle for detection from the Edge hub, investigation response from Splunk Web, Splunk AR, whatever whatever you need to help you be more effective and bring down that MTTR. So, yeah, we have yeah lots more products coming out. I'm really excited. And what I think will be even cooler is coming back on this pod a year and talking about the community that's been building stuff, like, you know, the automatic app that you mentioned Birch, that would be really great to showcase uh and i can't wait to to talk about that
0: awesome very cool well we look forward to i don't know that we've had return guests but uh we've definitely uh, we've find this a couple, a couple.
2: yeah i've re, re-invited myself yeah <laughs> there we go yeah well, well
1: thanks well, for coming and spend time with us and uh it's super fascinating and i love it because it's just so new and different than, than some of the other things that we're doing um so breaking new ground man appreciate it
2: yeah, thanks. Yeah. Stay tuned for also a bunch of AI stuff. I think that's gonna be cool. Um, we've got containers coming too. Yeah, there's there's a laundry list of features. So trying to figure out how to uh how to communicate that best. And podcasts, podcasts are a great medium. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, thanks so much, Joel. Uh thanks to all of our listeners. And uh we'll catch you at the next episode. Take care. Bye. See you.